I'm going to be sharing on prayer. The presence of the Lord is here. Amen. I love His presence. Be talking about going deep in prayer. Your personal prayer life really in many ways is the most important part of your Christian life. It really is. Like I said earlier, Christianity is not, so it's not really a religion, it is a relationship. And I'm telling you that a Christian that is a praying Christian is a powerful Christian, but somebody that is a, a person that lacks prayer in their life, they're going to struggle. And they're going to have difficulties. A praying church is a powerful church. And so as I'm getting into this, my heart is, you remember the old story about, you know, if you, if you teach somebody, or rather if you give somebody a fish, you feed them for a day, right? But if you teach them how to fish, you feed them a lifetime. We all know the story. Okay. If, I, if somebody comes down here and they want me to pray for them, I'll pray for them and God will touch you. That's like the fish for the day, okay? I mean, God's going to touch you. He'll, he'll do something awesome in your life. But if I can teach you how to pray, then you're going to start seeing miracles in your life. And I want to see people start going deeper in prayer to where I'm hearing the testimonies. Because I know when I was young in the Lord, uh, young in ministry, I was probably about 19 years old, 20 years old, and I was working at a church, really just helping out with the youth. And there was a couple elderly ladies that were intercessors. And they really spent some time with me and taught me how to pray. But I remember how powerfully God used them. That they would be praying about certain things. And I was with them. And it was in a small setting and nobody even knew about it. And I would see their prayers being answered throughout the church and throughout you know, the next service, the power of God would come and specific things we prayed about. And I began to see how important that a praying church and people of prayer are those that are going to live in the miraculous and are going to see all that Jesus paid for us to have. But it's not just going to just fall out of the sky and happen. We've got to pray it in. God is depending on us to pray it in. Remember, the Bible says that the earth is given unto the sons of men. So we are the ones that enforce the victory of the cross through our prayers. And let me say this about prayer. Prayer is not hard. Prayer is actually pretty easy. You guys are normally not this quiet. Alright, thank you. That's good. But prayer is not hard. Some people look at prayer. Now let me tell you this. When I first started praying when I was young... I remember that I, I studied it out and I knew that people that God used in a mighty way were people of prayer. So I decided I am going to set myself to learn how to pray. And I began to go into you know the vacant churches and I would pray by myself. I was the only one there. I'd go into some room, had the CD player going, you know, and I was praying. And it was horrible because I, I didn't know how to pray. And after about five or ten minutes, I covered everything that I thought I needed to pray about. And I was just sitting there, just, you know how Louis Engle rocks like this? And that wasn't me. I was kind of just beating my head up against the wall, just kind of like this. Is... And, I, and finally, I, God began to bring into my life some understanding about how to pray. And once you have technique and pattern and you understand how to pray, then prayer becomes easy. It becomes a joy. Let me tell you a secret about prayer. If God's presence is there, you can pray for a long time and it's wonderful. But if His presence is not there, 
it's going to be difficult to pray. And so this is just the first part in the series. I mean, I'm going to do four or five teachings on prayer, okay? So I'm just kind of laying some groundwork in this. But you'll hear me say this a lot. A praying Christian is a powerful Christian. A praying church is a powerful church. So it's such a vital part of your life. Let me read you a few scriptures. Mark one thirty-five. it says, Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. This was Jesus' pattern in his life. He would rise early and pray. And I know the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. But why, why did they ask him that? I believe that they saw the life of prayer that Jesus lived out in front of them. And they saw him rise up early and pray. They saw him go out to these all-night prayer meetings by himself all night. And they saw that, that the prayer life seemed to be the source. And they watched him. And so they came to him saying, Lord, teach us to pray. I believe that's what it was. They saw that this was the source in Jesus' life. Mark 3.15 says he appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him. That's what I want you to see. When Jesus called the twelve, he designated them apostles. He set them apart out of the crowd. Why? That they might be with him. And as they spent time with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority over demons. But Preaching under the anointing and the power of God and authority over the demonic comes out of your time with Him. Acts 4.13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, you guys remember Peter and John, they had, they had healed the, well, they prayed for the crippled man, he was healed. The Sanhedrin called him in. These were the leaders of the day. And they could have put him in prison. And here they are, and Peter and John is standing there in front of them, and look at what it says. They saw the courage that Peter and John had and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men and they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, when you spend time with Jesus and you're saturated with His presence, you come out under a mighty anointing and people see that. It's different. Acts 4.31, it says, After they prayed, so after this happened, all the disciples got together and they met in a place and they were praying. And it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Can you imagine, here we are praying corporately and it's like an earthquake. It's the building shakes under the power of God. And they were filled with the Spirit. They were filled with boldness and they went out and spoke the Word of God boldly. I'm going to tell you what comes out of spending time with Jesus, boldness. In 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ in triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma and knowledge of Him everywhere. We are to spread the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. As you guys go out ministering, let me tell you, as you spend time with the Lord... His presence fills you and saturates you. And when you come out of that time, the fragrance of Christ spreads through you. But Christ is the source. Your time with Him is the source. And some of you young people that, that are spiritual sons and daughters and, and you're here and you're learning, let me tell you one thing. Right now in your life, while you have time, the Lord is giving you time 
while you're young that you would seize this time in your life to begin to spend extended times with the Lord in prayer and get to know Him. That is the key. Get in an intimate place with the Lord. Get to know Him. Learn how to pray effectively. Spend your time studying out these books and getting in the Word for yourself, but take advantage of this time in your life. There's one of these days when you're busier in the ministry. And you're doing a church plan or whatever it is. You're busy in the ministry. Okay? You're not going to have the amount of time maybe you did before. It's while God gives you this time. And that's one of the things I'm so thankful for. The Lord gave me early on. He gave me a lot of time to be able to pray and get in the word. And the outworking of that is what we have today. And if I had not, if I had, not had that time with him, I don't believe the ministry would be what it is today. It comes out of your time with Him. Again, this is just the beginning of this series. I'm going to go deep. I want to talk about a pattern that the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer. I want to talk about the pattern in the tabernacle. I want to talk about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about different things like calling to the north, south, east, and west. I want to talk a little bit about the shofar. I want to talk about a lot of things to do with prayer and cover a lot of ground but this is just the foundation. I don't want anything in any way to come across religious, legalistic, or that you have to have some certain rigid thing. The last thing you want to do is allow your prayer life to come, become robotic. It's a relationship. You're not just going through the motions like some kind of robot, you know. And, you know, you have a relationship. It's a living relationship with the Lord. And so every day that you spend with Him is going to be a little bit different. But there is a pattern. And so you come in through that pattern, and it's an effective pattern. You come through the blood. There's time of worship. And there's different things I'm going to teach you that make your prayer life powerful. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, His presence. How many knows that you can be in God's manifest presence? You can be in His manifest presence. And I'm going to end with that. It's about, it comes through the blood. But God is wanting us in these last days especially to have His glory in our lives. The glory is going to be a great protection in these last days. So as I'm talking about patterns of prayer, and I'm talking about how long or short to pray, I don't want it in any way to be legalistic. I don't want it to be rigid. I don't want to come across that way. Okay? But how long should we pray, especially ministers? There was a time that Jesus was distressed. He was about to give his life on the cross. And he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember the story. Sweating drops of blood. And he went and he prayed and he came back to the disciples and they were asleep. And he said, could you not tarry with me one hour? And then he would go and come back. He did that three times. And so as a pattern, you develop a pattern out of that. The average Christian, you should have a goal. It may start 15 minutes, okay? But have a goal where you're learning how to pray for about an hour a day. Now again, don't just run in there if you don't know how to pray yet. And try to do that right off because you'll get frustrated. You know, you may start with 15-20 minutes, but try to let the Lord begin to stretch that to 30. Stretch it to 45. Stretch it to an hour. And I'm going to tell you something. If you'll go through this series with me, that's not going to seem hard at the end. Some of you look at that and go, pray an hour, you know, it's like, just relax, man, okay? When I get to the end of this, 
you're going to realize that that's actually easy. That really you can just be getting warmed up in that time. So as a minister, you're, listen, if you're called into the ministry, Leonard Ravenhill said this. I mean, you remember Leonard Ravenhill. All right, he made this statement. He said that a minister that does not at least pray two hours a day is worthless to God. That's what he said. Now, I don't mean that to be you know, rigid, legalistic, or anything like that. But I believe, you remember Jesus came back three times? Three hours, I think, is a pattern. Okay, Three to five. If you're going to minister, you need to spend that extended time with the Lord. Now, some of you are saying, are you kidding? No, I'm not. I'm dead serious. But I'm going to tell you, at the end of this, you're going to look at this and go, wait a second, this isn't hard at all. But you have to have a technique. You've got to have a pattern. If you just go in there and you're just standing there like this and you pray, you're going to last about five minutes. You have to have a pattern. There, there's, okay, I remember Dr. Cho told the, the story that, let me tell you, in other countries, they, they, you know, it's not a big deal to pray for an extended period of time. But in America, it seems like people are so used to certain things that it's difficult to pray for a long time. And I'll talk about that, okay? But Dr. Cho said that he took some men from, from Europe and America with him, and they went to Prayer Mountain. And before you can even get past the foyer part, you're supposed to pray an hour. So he takes them there, and they're all with him, and he says, All right, now before we get out of this area, we've got to pray an hour, so let's get after it. And he starts praying. He said for about five or ten minutes, man, they were going at it. They were praying real strong, and then it got real quiet. And so he's sitting there praying, you know, and he's thinking, where did they go? And he's, he's praying, and finally he starts looking around, and they're over there just kind of looking around, you know, because they haven't learned how to pray. If you have a pattern, and you understand the Lord's Prayer, you understand the tabernacle, you understand... The things I'm going to teach you in this series, it's easy. It's not hard at all. But as an average Christian, your goal should be to get to where you pray about an hour a day. And ministers should try to pray about three. And if you're going to preach that day and minister, try to go longer and go to like five. Because you need that fresh anointing. It comes out of your prayer time, a fresh anointing. But here's the problem. There's cultural hindrances to prayer in America. People in America are accustomed to getting things quick and easy. You live in a Burger King society. I know that you may not have realized that because you grew up in it, but you live in a Burger King, I want it the way I want it now society. It works at Burger King. It don't work with Jesus. And people are so accustomed for things being quick and easy. You can just walk over and turn the faucet, water comes out. Some people in other countries have to walk miles to get water. You just go to a microwave, push a button, and you're ready to go. Other people have to kindle wood, light a fire, then make the food. So I'm saying you're used to things being quick and easy. Other countries are not. And that's why prayer has become difficult to many people in America. Another problem is entertainment. Too many people are addicted to entertainment. They cannot get away from it. It's as though their mind will explode if they turn off the TV or something, or they turn off the radio. And they can't handle it, man. They've got to have their entertainment.
And because of that, their mind is used to being like mush. How many knows that your mind can vegetate, okay? You, you watch the TV for so long that you go into this altered state, okay? And you're used to allowing your mind to be passive and not disciplined. Now, those of you in college know that you've got to discipline your mind to read that book. Well, see, the problem with society overall is, is that people have a passive, undisciplined mind, and when they pray more than 10 minutes, they can't handle it. And they, they're supposed to read the Bible, and they, and they read for about 10 minutes, they can't handle it. Their mind is just so used to being entertained all the time. And there's got to be the power of entertainment's got to be broken. And if you feel like that's a bondage in your life, then fast entertainment for a little while. Let it break. Did you know a pattern of 21 days, usually if you can do something for 21 days consistently, you'll, it'll start becoming a habit. So fast entertainment for 21 days and discipline yourself to do something different for 21 days and watch. It'll be easy after the 21st day. Another thing in America is what I call selfish Christianity. And this is what I can get rather than what I can give. Some people live their whole life just focused on taking and what I can get. And they never really consider giving. And Jesus taught us it's more blessed to give than receive. And how are we going to live a life of sowing and reaping if we don't learn how to sow? And I'm not just talking about finances, but that is part of it. I'm talking about sowing time in prayer. And then reaping the benefits of your prayer. But the life of sowing and reaping. That it's not all about what we can get out of it per se, but what we can give. The ministers that are praying for, you know, three, five hours, whatever, you know why you can do that? because you're not just praying for yourself. You're not just praying for your own personal needs. You're interceding for other people and their needs. And so the mentality has got to be broken about what I can get all the time. Just take, take what I can get. And once you get into see... The occultists and all them hijack God's principle and they call it karma. You know, if something, something, you do something bad, it's going to come back on you. Well, that's in the Bible. It's called sowing and reaping. And they hijack that and change the name. But what you sow is what you reap. And so we've got to get to a place to where we learn how to be a giving people that it's not just about us. We're turning off the TV. We're shutting things down and we're getting alone and we're interceding for other people. Intercede for your lost friends and neighbors. Intercede for your people at school that you go to school with. Intercede for other people. You're pouring out yourself for others. Another problem in America is not just the quick and easy mentality and the addiction to entertainment. And it's not just being selfish, but it's also doubt and unbelief mentalities. Have you ever noticed that in society, the attitude prevails? If all else fails, then we pray. That has got to be the dumbest thing I've ever... But that's the way most people live. If they had a clue how powerful prayer really was, it would be the first thing they do. But because they don't have any idea about the power of prayer, they live their life with the mentality that, you know, after we've exhausted all of our finances and everything we can possibly do in the natural and got all these other people doing stuff, once everything else has failed and there's nothing else we can possibly do, then we will pray. And just hope something happens. 
So we've got to get rid of the doubt and unbelief mentalities and understand that the Bible says this. And I'm going to come to this at the end. The Bible says in the Amplified Version, James 5.16, The prayers of a righteous man make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So if somebody's righteous and they pray, it makes tremendous power available. And I've seen that over and over. I've seen the power of prayer many, many times. I've seen the sick healed. We've seen people delivered of things that you would have never thought they'd been delivered of. We've seen all kinds of miracles. But it came out of prayer. Satan's number one goal... I'm going to tell you something a lot of people don't know. See, my wife came out of a background. Her family was in the occult. She became a Christian. It's a powerful testimony. She, she's able to give it all over the states. And so we know people that have come out of the occult, come out of Satanism, things like that. So when I tell you about this, I'm telling you about this from knowledge, okay? There was a lady by the name of Elaine, and she talked about the fact that she, as a Satanist, would infiltrate churches. And she would pretend to be a Christian. She was there to destroy him. You know what her number one goal was? This was so interesting to me. Her number one goal was to get corporate prayer out of the church. Number one. Then once prayer was removed, then start going after other things. But you had to stop the prayer. That's interesting, isn't it? So she was taught that and in turn taught other people. Get the prayer out of the church. That's the power source. Once that's out, then they'll be easy to take down in other areas. Many times Satan's attack against Christians is to stop prayer in your life. It's like you picture a military. Many times the military will first send in a small group of somebody like the Navy SEALs and they'll go in on a mission and then others will come in behind that. Satan will send smaller demonic assignments against Christians and it is to try to make it difficult to pray Maybe time, it's to mess with their time, mess with other people around them, or even to put something like a heaviness. But just because you're feeling a heaviness, that doesn't mean you don't pray that day. You press through the heaviness. Anyway, the first assignment, it's like, it's like a smaller, like a Delta Force or like a Navy SEALs. The enemy will send in a smaller unit to try to hinder your prayers. And if you allow yourself to get out of prayer, then the enemy will start sending in other attacks. That's meant to take you down. Because the enemy knows that when you get out of prayer, you're vulnerable. And one of those spirits seems to be like a spirit of heaviness. The enemy will try to make it like a heavy oppressiveness against prayer. But when that's going on, don't give in to that stuff. Press through. Prayer is what brings and sustains Revival. The way that prayer works is this. When you really are praying and interceding, things happen in the spirit realm first, and then you see the result of it in the natural. Intercession truly does birth people into the kingdom of God. It really does. Prayer... 
is something throughout history that is proven that brings and sustains mighty revivals. Every great revival that's ever happened in church history can be traced back to prayer. People that paid a price interceding and travailing in prayer. So souls are birthed into the kingdom. Revival breaks out. Revival is sustained through prayer. The anointing is fresh and strong through prayer. We don't ever need to get to a place where we're living on yesterday's anointing. That's a dangerous place to be. We need to always be pressing into more of the Lord and a fresh anointing on our lives. But as you spend time in prayer, the anointing becomes fresh and strong on your life. And you can come out in a great anointing. The glory rests in prayer because of prayer. I just went to a friend of mine's place and prayed there to help him out. He's been going through some things. And as I was praying, the glory came and rested in that place so thick, it literally felt like it could pin you to the floor. But see, the glory comes in like that through prayer. You don't get it by just walking in there and being like, yeah, it'd be great if the glory was here, you know. You get it through prayer and intercession and the glory comes. There's a fresh anointing. How many knows we have not because we ask not? The reason why a lot of people don't have things is because they're not praying. Miracles are birthed in prayer. And what happens in any church service was first conceived somewhere in prayer. Somebody was praying. Let me say that again. Whatever happens in a church service was conceived somewhere in prayer. See, what people need to understand, let's just pick a revival randomly. I know a lot about the Brownsville Revival. But the Brownsville Revival, they broke out those banners and they prayed for two and a half years, interceded for revival, and people were gathering around those banners for revival and they were interceding, they were crying. And people, everybody knows about Father's Day of 95 and how revival broke out, but what they got to understand is it was conceived in prayer two and a half years earlier around those banners. It birthed later, but it was conceived then. So what you want to see in your life is going to come through prayer. Even people a lot of times don't even realize that other people are praying for them. They may be lost, they're away from God, or they're backslid or whatever. And they don't even realize that other people are praying for them. But because other people are praying for them, they have divine appointments. They end up in places and around people they never thought they would have. But it's a divine appointment to bring them to Jesus. The last thing I want to close with is coming through the blood. This is why a lot of people's prayer time is dead. And then I'm going to close with this. I'm going to talk about the blood. I've preached a lot on communion. I'll deal some more with that through this series. But the blood of Jesus is so powerful. In the Old Testament, the priest of the tabernacle, they would have to shed blood of an animal back then for their sin. That was fulfilled in Jesus. He was the true Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world, okay? But before Jesus, they had to shed the blood of an animal. That blood would be splattered there on this altar, and they would cut that animal into five pieces, put it there, and burn it. 
And after they did that, their sin was forgiven and they could go into the tabernacle. They could go into God's presence. But they had to come through blood. They could not just go in there. If they went in there without blood, they would die. And spiritually speaking, if you're trying to come into God's presence and have a prayer life and not, you're not coming through the blood, that's why you're dying spiritually. The only way into God's presence is through the blood of Jesus. Once the priest got into the tabernacle, he would find himself once a year in the Holy of Holies, and he would take and he would place the blood on the Ark of the Covenant on that lid. It's called the mercy seat. He would put the blood there. And there was nothing in there to light that place up. On the outside, the sunlight lit it up. In the holy place, it was the lampstand. But in the Holy of Holies, it was dark. And the priest would go in there, and he would put the blood on that mercy seat, and he would stand there, and the glory of God would rest on that blood and light that place up like a bulb. And he would stand there in the glory of God, it would light the place up, and he would be there in God's presence. But it was because of the blood that the glory came. The glory would have not come in there if that blood wasn't on that mercy seat. So what you've got to understand is it is the blood that gets you into God's presence. You know, Maheshavda talked about, he said something, he calls it the glory bubble. Okay, it's kind of funny. If you ever heard him preach, he's hilarious. Him and Bobby Connors should get together, okay, and be comedians. Anyway, they're both hilarious. But he, he talks about the glory bubble. And let me tell you what he's trying to say. What he's trying to say is if, if you're covered in the blood... And you understand what I'm going to be teaching on through. It's time that you can live in God's presence and walk in His presence. And you really can. But here's the problem. A lot of people, God wants to do that in your life. He wants to saturate you with His presence. But He knows a lot of people that if they're not careful, they're going to get in pride, spiritual pride. And later on, it's going to destroy them. God only gives you what you can handle. And so what you've got to understand, the more you understand that it's only because of the cross, it's only because of His blood that I'm able to have His presence. And the more, you hum, more you're humbling yourself down and, and understanding that it's the cross, the more of His glory He can entrust in your life because He knows He's not going to lift you up with pride. But a lot of people start thinking, oh, it's how I pray. It's how righteous I am. And it's not. It's His blood. And so as you spend time with the Lord, the first thing you want to do, and again, I'm going to go into this in other, other sermons I'm doing, but the first thing you want to do is get washed in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is like spiritual soap. I mean, it washes you totally, completely clean. And what you've got to understand, when you come into prayer life, here you are, you're getting you know, the eye boogers out. Is it okay to say that? Sorry. And if you're making your cup of coffee, your hair is all messed up if you have hair. It's all messed up and, and you got your pajamas on and you're trying to make the coffee and all that. And here you are, you're getting into prayer and you finally got your coffee. <laughs> and you're going to pray. The first thing you need to do is set your coffee down is to get covered and washed in the blood of Jesus. It is the blood that will bring you into the glory. And I'm going to tell you many times as I'm coming through the blood, just that alone, just right there, coming through the blood, you can feel the glory of God begin to rest in your prayer life right there. But as you close your eyes, and we've been doing this, I'm trying to get people 
doing this in our, as we take communion, but as you close your eyes for a moment, as you picture the cross, what you've got to understand is that the blood of Jesus that was shed makes it pours over your life and makes you holy, makes you clean now. Right now. There's a difference between that and a work of being sanctified. The rest of your life, you are going to be an imperfect human being. You're never, even if you live to be 120, you're never going to be a perfect person. You're always going to have flaws. So it's not about being perfect because you're a, you and I both are a work in progress the rest of your life. There's two different things we're talking about. I'm talking about the blood making you righteous before God and holy right now. But God is always at work sanctifying our lives and making us more like Jesus the rest of our lives. But these are two different things. If you think that, well, one day I'll be close enough to being perfect. I did so good yesterday. I can get in God's presence today. It's not going to work. It's not your righteousness. It's His. It's not your perfection. It's His. And so what you've got to understand is you're going to always be a work in progress. Don't let that keep you back from prayer because you're not perfect. You've got to understand that you're never going to be perfect. And the people that you think is perfect, they're not perfect either. And so understand that there's a work of grace in you that's going to be going the rest of your life. But when you come into God's presence and you begin to pray and you, and you envision the cross and you get washed in the blood of Jesus, at that moment, you become the righteousness of God in Christ right there. God, when God sees you, there's no sin because of the blood. You're holy. And if you understand that, then you can pray with faith because you understand I'm made righteous. Therefore, the promises of God like this, the prayers of a righteous man make tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. You can come in great faith knowing that your prayers are powerful because He has made you righteous. And that's so incredible to take communion. You don't have to, the Bible says as often as you want to. You don't have to take it every day. But if you want to, you can but spending time taking communion and, and examining yourself and getting washed and covered in the blood of Jesus. The blood needs to be applied to our lives fresh every day. I hope you remember that. The blood of Jesus needs to be applied to your life fresh every day. And as you come in and you maybe you close your eyes for a moment and you see the cross... And, and you're seeing that the blood of Jesus is washing you clean. And the blood is, is covering over the location you're praying. It's making everything holy. Because now I'm holy, the glory of God can come. His presence can come. And then in your mind, you can go around to the back of the cross and you can see the stripes that were on His back. And because of those stripes, His healing can flow right now into me. I love that when Dr. Cho was talking about that. It was so powerful. Just seeing the cross and seeing healing flow into you. And also, I'm going to get into this in other sermons, so I don't want to get deep into it, but being redeemed from the curse of the law. But the main thing I want you to get is this. Just because you're not perfect, doesn't mean that His blood is not sufficient. His blood is enough. His blood is enough to get you into God's presence. And if you'll walk humbly under the blood throughout your day, you can walk in what Mahesh Shabda calls the glory bubble. 
And because of the blood, the glory of God can rest on your home. And there can be a tangible presence of the glory in your home. But you've got to protect your home. If you're going to let, you know, you want the glory and the blood and all that. But if you're letting things in that are sinful, it can cause the glory to lift. But if you'll be careful what you watch on TV, be and guard the glory, protect the glory, the blood of Jesus will bring the glory. So I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Those that are watching on live stream, do it. Those that are listening to this, you're hearing this over the internet. If you're driving down the road, don't close your eyes, okay? But every, everybody else, close your eyes with me, okay? Now I want you to picture the cross right now. I want you to see Jesus there. And I want you to see the fact that His blood was, was released from His body for you. And His blood can pour over your life, over your family, over your, your descendants, over your finances, over your health, over relationships in your life, over your home, over the things you own. And as the blood comes over, there's protection, but also because the blood of Jesus is there, it, you and your property is made holy because of the blood. And because you're holy, now the glory can rest. So Lord, I ask you right now as we're praying that the blood of Jesus pour over us right now and wash us clean and let the blood of Jesus... I may just feel that right now. Just get your eyes on Jesus. Lord, let the blood of Jesus just come over this place and time. Those that are listening, the blood of Jesus just cover this place and time and every person by faith right now. We're washed and made holy by the blood. And Lord, I ask you to let your tangible glory right now rest on every life right now. Just receive that. There it is, the glory. Lord, let the weightiness of your glory come in and fill every person. Begin to go after God's glory. But the only way you're going to get the glory is through the blood. I want to pray for people tonight. I'm going to get my wife to help me. But if you want to go deeper in your prayer life, the Bible says that the anointing, if you can remember this, the anointing will lead you into all truth. A lot of times what God wants to do is He wants to impart an anointing in you first and then that anointing will begin to help teach you and develop you. So in other words, I believe God's wanting to put a fresh anointing in your life about prayer. Did everybody catch that? And then that anointing that is in you will begin to teach and develop you in prayer. A mighty man of God prayed for me one time and God touched me so powerfully and I called him. I was talking to him. And he was an older man. At the time, I was probably about maybe 22 or 3. And he was, you know, he was quite a bit older and I was asking him I said what advice what advice would you give me he said learn how to pray that's the key 